The perfect combination of versatile athleisure and training apparel has arrived. Thanks to the visionary minds of New Balance, Clutch Athletics, and Rich Paul, the designs reflect the heart of the athlete and the spirit of the community. With rising defensive football stars Will Anderson and Chase Young on the roster, Clutch Athletics brings the best innovative gear to all athletes, giving them style and performance on and off the field. Learn more and purchase Clutch Athletics at newbalance.com. This is Fantasy Football Today from CBS Sports. On his way to the end zone. I'll tell you what, that was a spectacular play. It's time to dominate your fantasy league. What a play! Off to the races! Some combination of Adam, Dave, Jamie, Heath, and Ben. Welcome everybody to Fantasy Football Today. It's our award show podcast. We got a busy show for you today. Not only are we going to unveil our 2020 awards, we're also going to take a look at our first PPR mock draft for 2021 and maybe get into a little bit of uh, who should be the 101 pick in Dynasty Leagues following the end of the college football season with Alabama routing. Ben Schrager's favorite team, the Ohio State Buckeyes. I'm Jamie Eisenberg. That's Chris Towers. That's Dave Richard. And guys, let's get right into it. So we're going to unveil our 2020 award winners. You guys voted for it on Facebook. We appreciate that. We'll get into that in a little bit. Uh, but like I said, we're also going to get into our 2021 first mock draft. So Dave, what was your favorite pick? You had the number four selection. What was your favorite pick in the draft? My favorite pick in the draft was probably Kyler Murray in round six. And Josh Allen went one spot ahead of him. But I thought that that was excellent value for what I would imagine to be an elite tier quarterback. Chris, you had the number 11 selection. What was your favorite pick? Uh, I'll probably go in a similar vein and say Aaron Rodgers in round seven. Uh, I know, you know, things are going to be different in the drafts that we do together, but by the time we get to the summer, I'm not thinking any of those guys are going to be drafted any higher. We don't tend to uh, be more aggressive with quarterback as things go on. No, that's true. Uh, the guys will probably get shuffled around quite a bit. Uh, but yeah, getting Aaron Rodgers there, getting the quarterbacks there, that's obviously a big thing. Um, my favorite pick was probably getting Benny Snell in round 10. Uh, we'll find out what the Steelers are going to do with their running back position. But if you get a starting running back for an NFL team, and we know the Steelers is not going to be probably a great offensive team based on how things have finished for them and some of the things that may change. But or I shouldn't say not a great offense, great running team. Uh, but, you know, Benny Snell has an opportunity there, as we've seen when he got when he got work during the season, he was fairly successful. So as a fifth running back on my roster, I'll take that. But we'll find out what happens with James Conner, who is a free agent. All right. We got some, uh, so, like I said, a lot of stuff to get to. But first, let me tell you about Indochino. So when I'm hosting FFT on CBS Sports HQ, I love to look good. I love to put on an Indochino suit. You've heard Adam Azer talk about it a lot. He styles in his Indochino suit. We just try to keep up with him when we get dressed up for FFT. It's a fantastic fit. You're going to love every opportunity you get to look your best. And with Indochino, perfectly fitted custom clothes are more affordable than you might think. Right now, you'll get $30 off any purchase of $399 or more when you enter code FFT at checkout. Indochino offers completely custom fitted suits, coats, and casual wear at surprisingly affordable prices. Customize everything. From the fabric and lining to the lapel shape and monogram, the choice is yours. And since your order is made to your exact measurements, each pit, each fit, each piece will fit you and your style perfectly. The best part, Indochino suits start at just $299 with all customizations included. Book a virtual appointment and shop online at Indochino.com. That's Indochino.com. Remember, you get $30 off any purchase of $399 or more when you enter code FFT at checkout. That's $30 off a purchase of $399 or more at Indochino.com using the promo code FFT. All right, we got some news and notes. And unfortunately for the Buffalo Bills, Zach Moss is going to miss the remainder of the postseason, but they signed Devontae Freeman to their practice squad. We'll see if he has anything left to offer. Obviously, he was not part of our waiver wire worst pick nominations, but probably should have been on there after we thought he could replace Saquon Barkley. Uh, but obviously now no Zach Moss, so Devin Singletary will be very popular for DFS this weekend on FanDuel and DraftKings as Buffalo takes on the Baltimore Ravens. Big news on Monday was the Eagles fired Doug Peterson. So, Dave, we talked about this a little bit on the Fantasy Football Today in five podcasts. Uh, give me your thoughts on uh, Miles Sanders and just what the uh, potential ramifications could be of a new coach coming in to replace Doug Peterson. If the new coach wants a feature back, he's got one in Miles Sanders. Peterson tried to make Sanders his feature back last year, and for a lot of the season, he got it. Eight of 12 games with at least 15 touches. But we could also see the next coach be more of a committee guy, and that means Miles Sanders will lose some playing time and 
probably never get higher than 15 touches per game. So we need to see what will happen there. It doesn't make Miles Sanders a locked-in um, early to mid-second-round pick right now. we got to see what happens. Just knowing that there's some uncertainty, Chris, would now be a good time to buy low on Miles Sanders in the Dynasty League. Yeah, I think so, because what we saw this season was, you know, he was still a very good big play guy in the Philadelphia offense, in the running game. The passing game was where he really struggled, had a ton of drops, couldn't really get on the same page with Carson Wentz. But, you know, even when we saw Jalen Hurts come in, he ran the ball better. So I still think he can be a very effective fantasy option. And, uh, you know, we'll see who they bring in. Hopefully uh, they can get on the same page in the passing game because I think that's where the upside comes in for him. All right, speaking of the passing game, Chris, what do you think about Jalen Hurts now knowing that this move kind of feels like they're siding with Carson Wentz as opposed to Doug Peterson? So we were, I think, moderately excited about what Jalen Hurts could be. We spent some time talking about this on yesterday's show. Uh, Jalen Hurts, I had him ranked as a top 12 quarterback. Um, Your thoughts on now the quarterback situation in Philadelphia with a new coach coming in? Yeah, I think you probably assume. And my hope has always been that Jalen Hurts would be the starter and Carson Wentz would go somewhere else. But the salary cap ramifications always made it at least somewhat likely that they would go back to Carson Wentz just because it was always going to be really hard to get out from him. He, they had a ton of dead money to him, whether it was, you know, if they released him, which always seemed unlikely, or if they traded him. So, you know, I think the financial considerations might uh, play a big role in that as well. And then, Dave, similar uh, question about Miles Sanders, but let's spin it forward to some of the wide receivers. You're very high on Jalen Rager last year, didn't have a great rookie season. Injuries clearly played a big part in that. But same thing, are you looking to buy low on maybe Jalen Rager, maybe trying to get Dallas Goddard if he's a little bit cheaper now? Do you look to do kind of the same thing with the pass catchers in Philadelphia? There's uncertainty with them all. So, sure, now's a good time to check in and see what it'll take to get those guys on your squad in Dynasty I still think Rager's got a world of potential, still one of the faster receivers in the league. Uh, just didn't show out as much as I thought he would in his rookie season. If it's Hurts under center, that's great because we saw Hurts take a lot of deep shots. That was one of his go-tos whenever pressure was on and he either didn't feel like running or didn't think he could run. And we saw Wentz in prior seasons throw downfield a little bit more aggressively. It's really going to come down to offensive scheme and, and how aggressive the new play caller will be. I would imagine Rager will fit in and potentially be the best receiver in Philadelphia for the next several seasons. Yeah, there's some talk about uh, the Eagles maybe trying to be aggressive, go get Lincoln Riley. So, uh, you know, there could that would be, be good for Jalen Hurts for, uh, for some of those guys. What do you say, Dave? I'm sorry. I said that would be really good for Jalen Hurts if they get Lincoln Riley. Oh, for sure. Would be absolutely fantastic yeah. for him to get his play caller from college. Uh, speaking of college, we have the national championship game on Monday night, the Alabama Crimson Tide. They get their uh, uh, sixth title for Nick Saban, go undefeated. Best season ever for an SEC team. They went 11-0 in the SEC, which is uh, obviously difficult to do. So they beat Ohio State 52-24. to And we know they have a trio of stars. The Heisman Trophy winner, Devontae Smith, hurts his hand in the game, but he has 15 targets, 12 catches, 215 yards, and three touchdowns. Just an absolute monster. Uh, Najee Harris, 22 carries, 79 yards, two touchdowns. He also had eight uh, targets, seven catches, 79 yards, and a touchdown. And Mac Jones, just an unbelievable performance for him. 36-45 passing, 464 yards, and five touchdowns. Uh, Justin Fields, he's going to be either the second or third quarterback in the NFL draft. Not the best game for him. 17 of 33, 194, and a touchdown. And unfortunately, Sermon got hurt in that game. Their star running back. Hopefully, he'll be okay soon and be ready for the NFL draft. Chris Olave was the leading receiver for Ohio State. Eight catches for 69 yards and what was a questionable touchdown taken away from him. Looked like he had the ball, but maybe didn't secure it enough with uh, the toe drag there in the back of the end zone. So, we know a lot of you are thinking about your dynasty leagues, your dynasty draft, your rookie only draft. So uh, fun time for us to start talking about this. So coming off this game, this unbelievable run from Alabama, did anything change for you guys in terms of who's the 101 pick in dynasty leagues? A lot of people looking at Devontae Smith and the way that he performed, Najee Harris and the way that he performed. But you have guys that didn't play in this game like Travis Etienne, uh, Jamar Chase, you know, the wide receiver from LSU. So, uh, Dave, if you're picking right now, you have the first pick in your rookie only draft. Who are you taking? If it's right now, I think it's ETN, but I, I'm not exactly sure that I'm going to stick with that because Najee Harris is really good too. And obviously, Devontae Smith and Jamar Chase look like guys that can lead your fantasy squad for a decade. This is going to be a very difficult choice, but it certainly makes those first four picks very, very appealing in Dynasty. Put me down for ETN for now. All right, so ETN for you from Clemson. Chris, what about you if you have the first pick in your rookie-only draft? I think I would go with either Smith or Chase just because I I feel like the running backs, it, it matters a bit more where they land 
whereas I think, you know, Chase and, and Smith, they just seem like the kind of guys who can be, you know, dominant in pretty much any situation. So I think I would lean towards the wide receivers right now. But if the running backs land somewhere, you know, Miami or Jacksonville or somewhere where they could really get, you know, that 15 to 18 touch per game workload right away, then I think you probably go back to the running backs. Yeah. It, it always comes down to also what you need. You know, I mean, there are yeah. teams, obviously they're stacked at wide receiver. They'll go running back and vice versa. And then clearly when we're talking about two quarterback or super flex leagues, Trevor Lawrence is going to be the first overall pick in those leagues. Uh, even with him going to Jacksonville and you may see Justin Fields or Zach Wilson go ahead of some of these guys that we just talked about. But if you're just talking about a one quarterback league, it could be Etienne, could be Harris, could be uh, Devontae Smith, or it could be Jamar Chase. Those guys just seem like the four guys that are going to be the first player selected. And we'll see how the NFL draft impacts what they've done in college, but just great ends to their college careers, certainly for Devontae Smith. Just an unbelievable performance so the against Ohio State. He's ridiculous. So uh, yeah. uh, congratulations to whichever NFL team is going to get him because he looks like a, a solid, good, solid guy in the locker room as well. All right, so we had our awards. We nominated them uh, last week, or I think it was two weeks ago, sometime in the last two weeks. And you guys got a chance to vote on them on our Facebook uh, group. Uh, you can check it out on our Fantasy Football Today Facebook group. Uh, we appreciate all of the votes, over 12,000 votes. So thank you for taking part in making this happen. And let's start right now with the uh, the Fantasy MVP. So uh, I don't think it was a big surprise, the winner. I'll give the nominations. Uh, so we had David Montgomery, Darren Waller, Aaron Rodgers, and then the MVP for the 2020 campaign, James Robinson, Jacksonville rookie running back. So he finished number seven. In uh, in with his production, um, 240 carries, 1,070 yards, and seven touchdowns, 49 catches, 344 yards, and three touchdowns in only 14 games. So just a, a standout performance for a guy that we told you before the season had a chance to take over the lead role. I don't think anybody expected him to be this good, but he took advantage of the opportunity of the Jaguars moving on from Leonard Fournette and was an absolute star. But now we got to spin it forward. And so uh, congratulations to James Robinson for being the 2020 MVP. But Chris, what do you think about him in 2021? It all comes down to what, you know, Jacksonville's going to have a new coaching staff. They're going to have a new uh, front office. So it, it all comes down to whether they view him, you know, as an undrafted free agent, as someone that they can rely on in 2021. I think they probably should. You know, I think he looked good enough uh, as a rookie. The, obviously, the fantasy production tailed off a little bit at the end of the season. But I think, you know, overall, he was still playing well. Uh, and that's obviously without taking into consideration the fact that this was a, a pretty awful offense all around, he was kind of the lone bright spot there while they were playing, you know, uh, QB musical chairs with their, I frankly, two worst quarterbacks. They didn't want to actually put their best guy in there in Gardner Minshew. Uh, so I don't know. It, it's going to depend on what they look at him as for 2021, but I still have him as a borderline first round pick as of now. It depends on, you know, if they bring in someone in the first three rounds to give him some competition, then maybe you start looking to move him down. But, you know, if they don't make a, a pick until the, the third day of the draft to bring someone in, I think James Robinson's probably going to have to be a top 12 running back for fantasy, and I'll be excited to draft him. And he was uh, a second-round pick. We'll get to that in a little bit when we look at our PPR rankings. Dave, he got 50% of the votes. Uh, Aaron Rodgers, 25%. Darren Waller, 21%. And Montgomery, 4%. Anything to add on Robinson, or did Chris cover most of it? Chris covered most of it. He had at least 16 touches in every single game. He had one, two, three, four games with 20-plus carries. I think you look at what Jacksonville's needs are. One thing they don't need is a lead running back, and it's going to be up to that coaching staff, like Chris said, whether or not they want to make him the workhorse guy. But I think he can enter training camp as at least atop the depth chart at running back. And no surprise for us and for you guys who voted, uh, James Robinson, also the fantasy rookie of the year. He got 59.2% of the votes, edging out Justin Jefferson, 25.6%, Justin Herbert, 13.4%, and Jonathan Taylor, only 0.2%. Surprising that Taylor did not get more consideration, but Robinson running away with the MVP, running away with the rookie of the year award as well. So great season for James Robinson. Let's go now to the biggest bust on uh, from 2020. And again, thank you guys for voting. Uh, so we unveiled this on Fantasy Football Today in five. It was Ezekiel Elliott getting 74% of the votes. Uh, Clyde Edwards Alaire, number two, 19.8%. Todd Gurley, 0.3%. And Le'Veon Bell, 0.2%. So, uh, Dave, when you look at Zeke and what he was able to do with Dak Prescott, with a healthy offensive line versus what he did when everything fell apart around him, 
Is he going to be a bounce back candidate in 2021? Somebody that you go right back to as a first round pick? He's got the chance to be, James. I mean, we know that he's got a huge salary cap problem himself. Well, it's not a problem to him. He's going to get paid either way. The Cowboys have a salary cap problem. Whether or not they want to pay Ezekiel Elliott, really their choice is they're already locked into paying him his 2021 salary. Do they want to guarantee his 2022 salary? They've got to decide that between now and just after the start of the league new year in mid-March. But he was very productive with Dak Prescott, over 21 PPR fantasy points per game in each of five starts with Dak Prescott. And I checked on the offensive line. If, if you like the offensive line of Tyron Smith, Connor Williams, Tyler Biadish, Zach Martin, Lyle Collins, they're all there to, to be. They, they've got six months to get ready for the start of the season for the Dallas Cowboys. And maybe they add more to it. Maybe it's depth. Maybe they replace Biadish at center. But there's there's definitely a chance that that offensive line will be back fully stocked to begin the season and that Ezekiel Elliott will still be there. Cowboys figuring that they can squeeze at least another couple of seasons out of them. Dak, theoretically, should be ready to go. And if that's all there, then there's really not a lot to hate about Ezekiel Elliott. You just have to hope that that workload that we're used to seeing from him prior to him falling off a cliff this year that that comes back and there's no guarantee of that because I'm sure they liked what they got out of Tony Pollard and Pollard will get five to 10 touches per week. But I think there's room for a bounce back. I just, I I, I'm certainly not reaching for Ezekiel Elliott. I'm not going to be confident saying he's going to be right back to a top five fantasy running back. He's going to be someone that I'd feel most comfortable taking late round one, preferably in round two, but we'll see what happens. And Chris, you took him in our mock draft at number 11 overall as the ninth running back off the board, but I know you're a little bit more aggressive on him based on how you have him ranked so far for 2021. Yeah, no, I agree with Dave. I definitely would not just put him right back at the, in the top five running backs. I have him number six. So, uh, no, I pretty much am just looking at Ezekiel Elliott, uh, his, you know, what happened after Dak Prescott got hurt and basically saying, I don't care. You know, before Zach Pre- Dak Prescott got hurt, we were talking about, you know, after five or six games, is Ezekiel Elliott the number one pick or is Alvin Kamara if we were redrafting? Mm-hmm. And so I don't see much reason to hold what happened to him with Andy Dalton against him. Now, obviously, that could change if for some reason the Cowboys don't bring back Dak Prescott or, you know, if Dak Prescott isn't ready to go for the start of the 2021 season. But I'm working under the assumption that both of those things uh, will be true working in his favor. And I just... Like Tony Pollard will get more work. I I have Ezekiel Elliott projected for, I believe his lowest share of the team's carries for his career for 2021. And he still came out as the number six running back for me. I think uh, that's going to be a great offense as long as Dak Prescott's healthy. And I don't, I just don't see any reason to think Tony Pollard is going to be coming for more than a, uh, you know, a, a complimentary role. You know, he, he probably won't have too much more work than he had this year. And Ezekiel Elliott already, you know, I think had, I think he had his fewest carries and, uh, or touches per game this season. So I'm not that worried about it. I think the one thing that's a big indication of that is he had that dominant performance Pollard did in week 15. Mm-hmm. And they went right back to Zeke when he said he was healthy in week 16. And then to Dave, your point about the salary cap ramifications, I think Jerry Jones is stubborn enough to think that this division is still wide open. He has a group that could win the division, especially with the way the defense started to play toward the end of the season. If he gets the band back together, everybody healthy, he probably feels that they could win it. And he's stubborn enough to try and do it with the group that he had in place prior to all the injuries happening. So I'd be very surprised if they moved on from Zeke. I could see this group back together trying to make another run. And they're probably going to be considered one of the, maybe the favorite in the division, depending on what Washington does with their quarterback situation, just knowing that the talent that they have at their disposal, Philly now in rebuild mode, Giants still trying to get their act together, and who knows again what Washington does with their quarterback. So I'd be very surprised if they moved on from these guys, depending on what the salary cap means for Dak Prescott. All right, let's recap the awards so far. Fantasy MVP, James Robinson. Rookie of the year, James Robinson. Biggest bust of the year, Ezekiel Elliott. And again, thank you for voting on our Facebook group. Let's go now to the next award, which could have been James Robinson again, except... We are taking a little bit of a different route because I know a lot of sites, a lot of people that are listening to us that don't play on CBS or may not have listened to our podcast right before the start of the season. We told you to draft James Robinson and kudos to you. You listened. So James Robinson does not qualify for us as the best waiver wire pickup because he was rostered in more than 60% of leagues 
on CBS at the start of the season, and certainly when he became something after his week one performance against the Colts. So our best waiver wire pickup for the CBS Fantasy Football Today podcast is Justin Jefferson getting 49.8% of the vote. He edges out Justin Herbert at 34.4%, Mike Davis at 10.8%, Miles Gaskin at 4.3%, and Taysom Hill at 0.6%. So obviously a lot of these guys helped you win in some capacity during the season with Mike Davis and Justin Herbert toward the end of the season with what Miles Gaskin did for you in the fantasy championship. Taysom Hill was maybe a tight end for you, obviously a quarterback for the Saints and a quarterback for you on CBS. But Justin Jefferson, when he became a thing for the Vikings, became a thing for your fantasy rosters. And as we know, had the best rookie season ever for a wide receiver. So uh, Chris, when you look at Justin Jefferson, again, what he did as a rookie, but also spinning forward to 2021, how good can he be? Uh, it's it's hard to put a ceiling on a player who had a rookie season this good. I mean, you you compare what he did to like AJ Brown, who was an incredible rookie in 2019. He was basically just as efficient as AJ Brown on a per target basis, except he got what 40 more targets. It's harder to do that on that kind of volume. Justin Jefferson emerged as the Vikings' number one wide receiver. You know, he led the team in targets overall, but basically from his week three breakout on. Uh, I think he was like a, at least a target, maybe a target and a half more per game than Adam Thielen. So, I don't know, elite college production. And then he comes into the NFL and puts together the, the greatest statistical rookie season we've ever seen. So, uh, it's, I think you probably draft him as a number one wide receiver next season. And I don't think the question is, is he a number one wide receiver or is he someone you take in the top 30 picks? It's, you know, are you taking him over AJ Brown? Are you taking him over DK Metcalf? I think that's the conversation that he's already in. Yeah, the big surprise in our mock draft, he went in the third round with the uh, one, two, three, four, five. So the fifth pick in the third round, he went ahead of Keenan Allen. That's probably one that some people may shake their heads at, just knowing what Keenan Allen did uh, last year as well. You know, I think maybe the the sour taste of how the season ended for Keenan Allen, um, but he went behind some guys that you can maybe say he should go ahead of Allen Robinson, just because we don't know where he's going to play in 2021. Mike Evans, knowing that there's uh, a lot of target share to consider with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, depending on what they do with Chris Godwin and Antonio Brown, who will be free agents. Like you said, Chris, he went behind AJ Brown. He went behind Michael Thomas. You can obviously debate how that goes, but uh, Dave for a rookie in, in Jefferson who had 88 catches, 1400 yards and seven touchdowns on 125 targets. They have a new play caller coming in. Uh, Gary Kubiak is no longer with the Minnesota Vikings. We know Adam Thielen's still there. Dalvin Cook, obviously a big part of the offense. Can Jefferson do that again? I'm worried about the defense being better for Minnesota, and that takes some opportunities away from him. The first thing I did when I started to look into Justin Jefferson, and I've really just scratched the surface with it, was looked at Kirk Cousins' pass attempts because I figured, well, Minnesota threw a lot last season. We know that Thielen had a lot of touchdowns. He had a good year. Justin Jefferson clearly had a great year. He only threw 516 times. Now, that's a lot more than Cousins threw in 2019. 444 pass attempts in 2019. But in 2025-16, that's not a lot of pass attempts when you think about other quarterbacks around the league. Some guys usually get to around 550, 575. So there's certainly some efficiency metrics that come into play with Jefferson, and that's the type of thing that I think can continue to carry him as he moves forward in his career. He was second in the NFL among receivers in yards per route run, 2.66. Deep passing, he was top 10 in that metric on pro football, for, pro football focus. Excuse me, Top 30 in PFFs, yards after catch per reception metric. So he's doing a lot of really good things with the football when he gets it. It's a matter of if that target volume can keep up game after game. If that Vikings defense is better and they remain Zimmer-style conservative with their offense, I'm a little worried about that target share staying up. But even if he's getting six to seven targets per game, maybe even five to six targets per game, I think there's room for him to be very efficient on those numbers. If you're drafting him as a number two receiver, I think he'll be just fine. 16th among wide high end number two receiver. Excuse me. I'm sorry. High end number two receiver. Yeah. I think most people are going to draft him as a number one guy, just based yeah. on what the hype and expectation is. And certainly what he did from his college career to his start of his NFL career. And I think if you're looking at it from the standpoint of we just, uh, to kind of tie in the conversation we had about the one Oh one pick in dynasty or what your rookie draft can look like. If you're just looking at the college production of what Jerry Judy and Henry Ruggs did compared to their NFL production and maybe looking at Devontae Smith, but also looking at what Justin Jefferson did in his college career to his NFL career, and then maybe looking at Jamar Chase 
maybe Jamar Chase from a pedigree standpoint can come into the NFL and be a little bit more ready to go, just knowing what the LSU program has produced, maybe compared to the Alabama program. But again, it was uh, Justin Jefferson playing with a much better quarterback in college with Joe Burrow. All right, again, to wrap up the awards or to catch you up on the awards so far, it is uh, fantasy MVP and fantasy rookie of the year, James Robinson. Robinson could also have been the best waiver wire pickup based on your comments. But as we told you, Justin Jefferson qualifies for us. Robinson does not. Uh, the bust of the year so far, Ezekiel Elliott. Now we get to the worst waiver wire pickup. And the winner of that award is Benny Snell. So Snell, we know, was awesome in week one. James Conner got banged up in that game against the Giants. And we all thought maybe Benny Snell was going to be the starting running back for the Steelers for a couple weeks or maybe for the season. There's some talk about, you know, James Conner was uh, struggling in that game. And we know what last year was for him. But Snell did not take off from that point forward. He only had three games with 20 plus rushing yards all year. Um, it was, uh, it was, he was, he was a backup, you know, and it just was an unfortunate situation. So Snell, the worst waiver wire pickup, he edges out Jameis Winston, who we thought had a chance to maybe take over for Drew Brees when Brees suffered the rib injury against the 49ers. Naheem Hines also strong week one performance, but that didn't carry over to the rest of the season. Uh, and then the last uh, player in this category was Duke Johnson. We thought in week 10, when David Johnson suffered the concussion that Duke Johnson would take over and have a strong stretch of games. That was clearly not the case. He had a couple of good performances, just not great performances when David Johnson was on IR for those three games. So Benny Snell, we kind of touched on this a little bit earlier that he has a chance to be good in 2021 if the Steelers move on from James Conner. But uh, Dave, if that's the case, how high will you draft Benny Snell if in fact we find out come week one, he's the starting running back for Pittsburgh? I think I would probably put him as a top 60 pick, someone I wouldn't be very excited about because I'm not certain that he can be that breakout running back. He would be given a good opportunity, and he gave you at least nine non-PPR fantasy points in the three games this year when he had at least 15 carries. He could be good. I don't think he could do – I don't think he can be James Robinson, and I'm pretty sure he wouldn't be that much better on a week-to-week basis than somebody like like what J.K. Dobbins gave us late this year where he was scoring every week. And I almost feel like he, he'd be good for around – he'd be a good number two running back, but not one that I'd target. So right around that eight to seven to nine non-PPR point range is where I'd, I'd put Snell. Wouldn't be very excited to draft him at this point. Chris, anything else to add? Or you think the Steelers may uh, add another running back to the mix if Connor leaves? They obviously drafted Anthony McFarlane last year. He did not work out very well, but we could see those two guys – in a big spot if Connor is gone. Yeah, I I think given the way Mike Tomlin has operated, if it's, you know, if Jenny James Connor does leave and and Benny Snell is the lead back, you would assume he would get, you know, the majority of the snaps. You know, it's probably not going to be in the 90% range we used to see Le'Veon Bell uh in or, you know, when James Connor was running well, but the two starts um you know that he he had started three games Benny Snell did he was 71%, 46%, and 78% snap share. Um, and he did have 11 targets in those three games. And that, to me, is going to be the key. If they view him as someone who can stay on the field for all three downs and they involve him in the passing game, then you know there's going to be second-round upside. It just it depends on how you know the offense as a whole plays and whether they bring anyone else in. I would be surprised if they made a big investment at running back, though. Um just because they do have Snell McFarland and, you know, Jalen Samuels. We'll see if, uh, if they bring him back as well. That week one game when everybody got excited about him against the Giants, 19 carries, 113 yards, only one target. It's got you 11 PPR points. But remember, he didn't start the game. Connor played yeah. the majority of the first quarter in that one. And then the two game, the three games that you're referencing, Chris, week 12 against Baltimore, uh, he had 16 carries for 60 yards, three catches for 33 yards. That's probably something that you can expect. Those type of, you know, somewhere in the neighborhood of 18 to 20, 25 total touches, depending on how the game goes. Uh, that's what he gave you against Cincinnati in week 15, 18 carries, 84 yards and a touchdown, three catches for 23 yards on four targets. So that's probably the upside of what Benny Snell can give you. And then the other start that you referenced was that game against Washington, which they lost uh, eight carries, five yards, three targets, two catches, five yards. That's the miserable side of what Benny yeah. Snell can give you. So uh, hopefully that's not the case if, in fact, he is a starter. So we could be talking about Benny Snell on the positive side next year. Unfortunately, for 2020, he is the worst waiver wire pickup. So uh, I don't think you want to take that trophy home, Benny Snell. The one-week wonder of the year was Tyler Lockett. He got 53.6% of the votes, edging out Joe Mixon, who got 28.8%, Tony Pollard, 13.7%, and Odell Beckham, 3.9%. And Lockett, we're talking about his 
53 PPR points against the Arizona Cardinals in week seven. Uh, I said it many times throughout the season. If I were the Seahawks coaches, I would have said you're playing the Cardinals every week because he was awesome in the two games against the Cardinals. He had some good games across the board. Um, his week 16 performance, which was a little bit of a surprise, uh, was solid as well. He actually finished as a top 12 wide receiver, so it's a little strange to say he's a one-hit wonder, but uh, we know it was a lot of big games and a lot of disappointing ones. Uh, the other guys in this category that were just you know looking at their games, Joe Mixon had 42.1 PPR points against the Jaguars in week four. Tony Pollard with his 31.2 points against the 49ers in week 15. And Beckham with his 38.4 points against the Cowboys in week four. Obviously, Beckham did not finish the season dealing with that torn ACL. Joe Mixon also had an injury-plagued campaign. So maybe those guys could have had some other better games along the way. But injuries robbed them of doing that. Tyler Lockett, however, with those 53 points, uh, left you wanting more every time we started him. And he disappointed more times than not. He had five games under 10 PPR points in the second half of the season. So... Uh, Chris, I wish Heath was here for this because he loves Tyler Lockett. He had him ranked in his top 24 every week with the upside play. We know if Ben Gretsch was still with us, this is the type of receiver that he would gravitate toward because he wins you weeks when he has these type of games. But there was a lot of times where he left you disappointed. How are you going to approach Tyler Lockett next year? I can't view him as a number one wide receiver. I think I have him in the low end number two wide receiver range. I want to say like, you know, maybe 21, 22. I don't know. It was weird. He's been historically really, really efficient playing with uh, Russell Wilson. And that just wasn't the case, you know, for the season as a whole uh, eight yards per target was his lowest since 2017, his second lowest of his career, but also especially, you know, after that week seven game against Arizona, he had that, you know, 15 catches, 200 yards from that point on, he had 55 catches on 74 targets for 512 yards, 6.9 yards per target. I I sort of want to write it off as a fluke and just say that, you know, the track record is so good that he should get back to being, you know, at least maybe a nine yards per target guy. Um, but this was discouraging and he's pretty clearly the number two option in this offense an offense that after that hot start really played a lot more conservatively and, uh, you know, not a good uh, playoff game in the wild card round. So, uh, I'm not particularly excited about uh, about Tyler Lockett for 2021. Dave, more of a number two or number three fantasy receiver? Probably. Cl- That's a great question. I, I think if you get him as your number three, you're a lot happier. Yeah. I think that, and I think that's really just the best way to put it is there, there aren't going to be a lot of fantasy managers that target him as a number two guy expecting a bounce back season. Oh, I know one. <laughs> uh, you, you may know one, but he's in the minority and uh, let's throw this log onto the Tyler Lockett bonfire. Pete Carroll says he wants to continue to run the football next year Had his season ending press conference and, and wasn't talking about, well, maybe we need to let Russell Wilson rip it a little bit more. He wants to be better at running the football that cause that's what he thinks he needs to do to win football games. So I understand his perspective. That's his job, but it stinks for fantasy. And could that mean that there's fewer targets to go around for both DK and Tyler Lockett next year? We know that Russ was right around 31, 32 pass attempts per game in the back half of the 2020 season. I, I would be nervous to trust him as a number two receiver. You can talk all you want about, well, his upside every single week is great, but 2020 was a year where his downside came out way more often than not, and it hurt your fantasy team. So if, if, if a guy like Tyler Lockett is your number three receiver, that means you've got two other receivers that you can rely on for just raw fantasy points week in and week out. And then when Lockett does blow up, you're a happy camper. But I can't take him as a number two. I, I know in our drafts, he went right around round five in both. And I feel like that's a little too soon. I think he's going to be around six pick at the absolute earliest for me. Last pick of round four to Heath Cummings. Uh, he drafted him ahead of DJ Moore, but he had the back-to-back pick. So... Um, you know, I, I think you probably see DJ Moore go ahead of him. Some of the receivers who went after Tyler Lockett, which we can debate. Obviously, there's a lot of time to do that. But uh, Will Fuller, we don't know where he's going to play. He's going to miss the first week of the season because of his suspension. That was to Dave in round five. C.D. Lamb and Chase Claypool went right after him. Again, we'll see what happens with those respective receiving cores. Claypool can get a huge bump if Juju Smith-Schuster leaves. Uh, Cooper Cup, that's another one I think that a lot of people would probably still take over Tyler Lockett as well. Brandon Ayuk, Cortland Sutton. Uh, those were my picks and Chris's picks uh, in round five. So uh, two wide receivers also you could debate maybe 
better options than what Tyler Lockett brings from a consistency basis. But again, the opportunity to win you a couple weeks, as we saw with Tyler Lockett, maybe uh, that's going to be exciting for some people carrying over to 2021. But for 2020, he was our one week wonder. All right, just to quickly wrap up the awards. And again, congratulations to everybody. Thank you so much for voting. Over 12,000 votes on our Facebook group. Fantasy MVP and Rookie of the Year. Go to James Robinson. He could have been the best waiver wire pickup as well. But again, doesn't qualify for our uh, nominations here. That goes to Justin Jefferson as the best waiver wire pickup. The uh, biggest bust, Ezekiel Elliott. The worst waiver wire pickup, Benny Snell. And the one-week wonder for 2020 was Tyler Lockett. We're going to take a quick break here on Fantasy Football Today. When we come back, going to get into our first mock draft of 2021. How many running backs went in the first round? We'll tell you that next on FFT. What's up, everyone? I want to tell you about a car that you are going to love. Check it out. The all-new Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe is equipped with everything you need to break free from the dull work week and embark on an adventurous weekend with your family. The all-new Hyundai Santa Fe's features like available H-Track all-wheel drive, standard third-row seating, I love that, available dual wireless charging pads, ensure that you can take on any adventure. So let's say you're ready to take the family on a camping trip or something like that. The Santa Fe is perfect for you. You've got all-wheel drive. You can load everyone up in the third row. It's time to start being adventurous, and you need the right car, and that's the Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe. Learn more about the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe at HyundaiUSA.com. Call 562-314-4603 for complete details. So we did our first... 2021 PPR mock draft, 12 teams, members of our site. You know all the names uh, for the most part. You can check out the full results on cbssports.com. The story will be up uh, probably by the end of the day on Tuesday. Here are the first two rounds that we'll talk about. And we'll start with the first round here, which was no surprise with us, very heavy on running back. So starting at the top, Christian McCaffrey, Dalvin Cook, Alvin Kamara, Derek Henry to Dave at number four, Nick Chubb, five. Devontae Adams, the only wide receiver in the first round, goes at number six. Saquon Barkley, number seven. Jonathan Taylor, number eight. Travis Kelsey, the second non-running back taken in the first round, goes at number nine. I took Austin Eckler at number 10. Chris took Ezekiel Elliott at 11. And then what is a huge surprise, Clyde Edwards-Hilaire still goes at number 12. I don't know if the fantasy manager, I'm not going to name him. You can check out his name on the site. We don't want to embarrass anybody, but I don't know if he was thinking it was still the 2020 draft as opposed to the 2021 uh, PPR mock draft. So uh, Dave, let's talk about Derrick Henry at four, because I think a lot of people are going to look at that and say maybe great pick because of what he does running the ball, but it is a three receiver PPR league and you took Henry over Devonte Adams. Tell us why. Because I wanted to lock up a running back early. Yeah, that's, that, that's on brand for me. Uh, I, I know that the running backs, it's deeper this year than it has been in several years, but it's still going to run out by the time you get to round three-ish. Maybe round four is the safer time to say that running backs will start to get ugly and receivers won't be as ugly. So I knew that I would find receivers that I liked later on in the draft. So taking a running back, that was my priority in round one. And I didn't mind Derrick Henry at 20.1 PPR points per game in 2020. And he was better in 2020 as far as PPR points per game than he was in 2019. And I think that he's, I think he's just a really good fantasy running back. Don't really have any faults to give him at this point. I know the workload's been crazy. I know he doesn't catch the ball a lot, but he scores a lot of touchdowns. He gets a lot of carries to make up for it. Yep. I guess the one thing would be is that, you know, Henry at 20 points per game, uh, Devontae Adams over 25, you know, so could have got a better player potentially for what the format is. But uh, like you said, on brand for you to take a running back. So, Derrick Henry was your selection. Chris, when you see Travis Kelsey going at number nine, is that too early or too late for the best tight end and a guy who shattered his position as well? And we know has been the number one tight end in PPR for every season since 2016. It's too late for me, but I'm going to kind of be an outlier on the big three tight ends because I have all three of Kelsey, Kittle, and Waller in my first round right now. And so I... Well, I just think the edge that those three guys can give you on the rest of the position is so much greater than anything you can find in fantasy football right now. They're, they're, you know, assuming Kittle, he's had some health concerns, obviously the last couple of seasons, Kelsey's 32. Um, you know, obviously there are reasons to be concerned, but I think there are reasons to be concerned about, you know, a, a, every running back to start with. And, and a lot of the wide receivers who aren't Devonte Adams. So, um, 
Yeah, I, I think that's perfectly fine. I have Travis Kelsey number six or number seven overall for me. So uh, I, I think that's a perfectly fine pick. All right. So you like Travis Kelsey there. I think a lot of us would. I, I had the next pick after I was going to take Kelsey if he fell one more spot to me at 10. And obviously, I'm sure if he slipped, Chris, you would have taken him at 11. Uh, Dave, when you see Clyde Edwards Hilaire in the first round, um, I laugh. I think we, huh? I laugh. Yeah. I, I, I mean, a little bit of a surprise. Uh, he went ahead of Tyree Kill, ahead of George Kittle, ahead of James Robinson. He was the 10th running back taken. So just some running backs that went in the second round after Edward Solaire were Robinson. I took him at 15th overall. Uh, Josh Jacobs at 20th overall. Aaron Jones to Dave at 21 overall. And then you could clearly understand some of the guys that were uh, still out there uh, listening to the names that we read off. So, Dave, where would you be comfortable taking Edward Solaire at this point? I'm not sure if I would take him even in round two. We, we now have a year of of information on Edwards Hilaire and I'm not sure he did enough in 2020 and we'll see how the playoffs treat him, but I'm not sure he did enough to earn that heavy workload role that we were kind of thrusting him into at, you know, uh, July of 2019 or 2020, I should say. I, I think he can still be a very good fantasy running back. I think he can take that step, but the fact is I'm not sure he's going to get that chance. Andy Reid can bring in another running back or keep one of the guys that he already has. Well, Damian Williams take could some come work back. He opted out of his play. So he's, yeah, he's I, I'm not sure if he will be back because he's 30 years old, and I, I don't know how big of a role he would even have. Um, I think they can actually cut him and save a little bit of money, so that's kind of cruel for them to do that, but we'll see. I, I think he's still going to be the lead back for Kansas City, but he was the lead back for Kansas City in 2020, and... He had some great moments and he had some what the hell is he doing moments, including the game where he didn't do anything. And we were wondering what the hell was going on. And he didn't have a huge, he wasn't a huge factor in the passing game. Right. And that disappointed me so much because that that was half of his game at LSU. He had like 55 catches in his last year at LSU. And I thought he'd immediately have that role. Nope, didn't have it. So I'm I'm nervous to take him as even a top 20 pick. He's way outside of my top 12 running backs. Yeah, I, I think he'll end up being a round two selection, but to see him go at the end of round one was a little bit of a surprise, especially given some of the other players on the board. In round two, the first pick is Tyree Kill. George Kittle goes to Chris, as he told you, going to be very excited about the tight ends. He's the next pick in round two, 14th overall. I took James Robinson, 15th overall. That can end up being a great pick, or it could be a bust, depending on what happens with the Jaguars offseason, as we told you. Uh, DeAndre Hopkins at 16, DK Metcalf, 17. Darren Waller, 18. So there's the top three tight ends going in the first 18 overall picks. Calvin Ridley, 19. Josh Jacobs at 20. Aaron Jones to Dave at 21. Stephon Diggs, a little bit of a surprise to see him slip as far as he did, knowing what he produced in 2020, goes at number 22. Michael Thomas, still a second-round selection at number 23. And A.J. Brown at 24. So just to go over that again, Tyree Kill, George Kittle, James Robinson, DeAndre Hopkins, D.K. Metcalf, Darren Waller, Calvin Ridley, Josh Jacobs, Aaron Jones, Stephon Diggs, Michael Thomas, and A.J. Brown. Chris, you were kind of nodding your head when I brought up the Stephon Diggs uh, scenario there. He went after Hopkins, after Metcalf, after Ridley, ahead of Thomas, ahead of Brown. Right spot for him or too low? Uh, I have him as the number three uh, wide receiver for fantasy, and I think there's basically kind of Devontae Adams in his own tier, Tyreek Hill in kind of his own tier, or sorry, DeAndre Hopkins in his own tier, and then Diggs, Thomas, and Hill in a in a third tier. And then after that, you know, I do think there's a bit of a drop off. And the way I have it ranked uh overall, you know, those are the only five wide receivers that I have inside my top 30. It's really running back heavy, and then those three tight ends in the top 30. And then after that, I think that's where wide receiver, you know, starts to be the the best value on the board probably for the next five rounds, uh, from you know, round three or so on. So yeah, I think Stefan Diggs, you saw, I guess there's some concern that Buffalo, Buffalo's offense will regress next season. I think you should probably expect some regression. Um, and, you know, it was surprising that they have been as pass heavy as they have been. Um, and so if Josh Allen takes a step back, you know, maybe that holds him back a little bit. But I also just think Stefan Diggs is one of the five best talents at the wide receiver position in the NFL. And I have for a long time. So, uh, a, a little bit of confirmation bias there and that I always thought he was capable of this. And I, I see no reason why they wouldn't use him as a, as you know, a legitimate number one wide receiver moving forward. Uh, I'm total agreement with you, Chris. I've been saying it on this show for years that I always felt with 
the Vikings. He was going to end up as one of the best talents that his stats would never match what the type of player that he is. And that was clearly before the trade. The Bills have brought that out of him. Brian Dayball brought that out of him. Josh Allen brought that out of him. And you see what the statistical monster he could be. I think he absolutely should be considered the number three wide receiver. I considered him at 15th overall. Uh, to see him go after Hopkins, after Metcalf, after Ridley was a big surprise. And so kudos to Andrew Balmer, who got him at number yep. 22 overall. Okay, you can see the uh, full draft results on CBSSports.com. We're going to highlight a couple of things here, but make sure you listen to Fantasy Football today on your smart speakers. Simply ask Alexa, play the latest episode of the Fantasy Football Today podcast, or hey, Google, play the latest episode of the Fantasy Football Today podcast. It's certainly a great way to listen to us by making sure you uh, say Alexa or Google and play the latest episode of Fantasy Football Today podcast. All right, so we had some trends here that I think are worth pointing out, certainly at the two top two outlying positions of quarterback and tight end. So our drafts typically go a little different. We don't go heavy on quarterbacks. You're probably going to see Patrick Mahomes somewhere near the end of round one, beginning of round two in most of your leagues. And then the run on quarterbacks will come somewhere in the round, late round two, round three range of the top tier guys, whether it's Josh Allen, whether it's Kyler Murray, whether it's going to be Dak Prescott again, uh, Lamar Jackson again, but Mahomes goes in round four. Then we get to round six, and it's Josh Allen. Dave takes Kyler Murray there, and Deshaun Watson goes round seven. We get Dak Prescott, Lamar Jackson, Chris took Aaron Rodgers, as he told you, Justin Herbert. I didn't take Joe Burrow until much later. Let me tell you when I got him. Uh, he was my number one quarterback, which was round 11. I'm thrilled about that value. Hopefully, he's going to be healthy, ready to go for week one. Uh, but, Dave, when you look at the quarterback value here, it's a deep position. We spent some time talking about this with Jalen Hurts and Russell Wilson and kind of the, the bridge of where the top-tier guys end and then the – potential upside guys come into play with Taysom Hill potentially being the starter, Jalen Hurts potentially being the starter, uh, obviously Joe Burrow, those type of guys. And then the older quarterbacks of Matthew Stafford and Matt Ryan and some of those guys that still have the potential to be borderline starter, uh, starting fantasy quarterbacks. Did you feel like round six was a good spot for you to go get Kyler Murray? Or do you think you could have waited another round or two to get another guy that you like? I could have waited another round to get another guy that I liked, but he wouldn't have been in that same tier as Kyler Murray. Certainly not with that type of upside that Kyler Murray should be able to give us in 2021. And I think the name of the game when it comes to drafting quarterbacks next season is going to be value. You're going to want to find a quarterback where I I've said this before, where you, you look at who's available and you look at the round you're in and you know, you need a quarterback and you do one of those cartoon eye pop things where you just can't believe the value that's there. And when you see that, that's when you know to go ahead and take a quarterback and, and put that guy on your squad. And if you don't feel that way, maybe you look at the quarterbacks that you're left and your eyes aren't popping out of your head because you know that maybe they'll pop out of your head next round. Go ahead and wait one more round. Value is the name of the game when it comes to drafting a quarterback in 2021. Yep. And there were, again, uh, our drafts are going to be a little bit different than what most of your drafts look like when it comes to quarterbacks. Even if you do wait on quarterbacks, you're not going to see Mahomes in round four. He's probably around two pick or maybe round three pick. You're not going to see guys like Josh Allen and Kyler Murray in round six. Those are probably round four, round five selections. But, uh, you know, we're going to talk about this a lot throughout the course of the offseason about waiting on quarterbacks again. And you see some of the guys that you got to help you win your leagues this year, specifically a guy like Aaron Rodgers, who is going to be the NFL MVP could have been the fantasy MVP as well. All right, Chris, so you said you're really excited about the three tight ends. You're going to take them in the first round if they're available for you. Kelsey, Kittle, and Waller. Certainly Kittle and Waller will be available if you pick at any point in the first round because you're probably going to be one of the few people who takes those guys unless it's a tight end premium league in the first round. But when you get past those three guys, then what's your plan looking at tight end? You did take Kittle in round two. Mark Andrews went in round five. He was the fourth tight end off the board. Noah Fant went in round six. And then it was some of the potential high upside guys. I guess Fant fall, falls in that category as well. Dallas Goddard, TJ Hawkinson, and Hunter Henry. Yeah, I, I think it might be a little early for Fant, Goddard, Hawkinson, Henry, et cetera. Um, you know, I, I think all of those guys have to take a step forward to, to justify that cost, even when you take into account uh, the position scarcity. I, I just, like, I love Noah Fant. I, I think the, the, the Denver offensive skill players are, you know, have the potential to be, you know, arguably one of the best groups in the NFL. I just, I'm not sure Drew Locke is there and I'm not sure he's going to be in 2021 and, you know, Goddard, we'll see what happens with Ertz, but you know, if they're changing their offensive philosophy, are they going to th feature the tight ends as much? Uh, so yeah, I, I think there's going to be a push for that kind of third tier. I think Andrews is a second tier all on his own um, and it's going to push them up. And if I don't get one of those top three, 
I'd probably rather just wait and take someone, you know, Logan Thomas a little later, maybe Mike Kosicki a little later, rather than, you know, try to pay the premium and say, okay, I'm going to try to identify which one of the tight ends is going to break out because we always think tight ends going to be better than it ends up being. And it's this class of tight ends who, you know, I think tend to let us down the most. Potentially. Yeah. I mean, we'll see, you know, certainly the, the, what Hawkinson showed you in uh, the start of 2020 uh, was, was very promising Then closed the season to the same level. Uh, Fant same way started the season promising uh, only in one touchdown after week two. So you'd like to see a little bit more from him, but Dave, I like what you did uh, getting the two tight ends that you got in this draft with her, uh, Hawkinson and Mike Gusecki and the values that you got them with Hawkinson in round nine and then Gusecki in round uh, 13. I think there's going to be good depth at tight end this year. It doesn't necessarily mean that there's going to be guys that you can uh, start week in and week out and feel really good about, but I'm, I'm looking to find value at tight end too. And if I can find a couple of tight ends that I think have some rock star upside, I don't mind having two of them on my team, especially if I've got the quarterback taken care of early on. I, I did this in a lot of my 2020 drafts where I either took two quarterbacks or two tight ends. I really didn't want to take two of both positions. When I got a quarterback early, I would let myself take two tight ends later on. If I got a tight end relatively early, I would take two quarterbacks later on. And it's just trying to grab on to getting some good value at the position I take early and just lottery tickets at the position of the guys that I take later. And that's what I did here. And hopefully one of those two guys in this mock draft that we're not going to play out and not have a leak. In, hopefully one of those guys will look good. And then I can look back at this draft and say, okay, yeah, Gasicki's a good pick. I'm going to, I'm going to draft a lot of Hawkinson and Gasicki because I think they do have potential, especially in PPR to be good week in and week out starters. And if I can't get one of the studs that Chris is taking early on, I don't mind having a good starter that I don't really have to think about each week. And really, that's that's kind of what you're looking for if you don't get a stud. And the problem with taking a stud is, of course, you're going to start George Kittle every week. But if he goes through a lull where he's not putting up huge points for you, you're going to kick yourself for taking him too early. But we could say that about any position. Yeah, I think with these two guys in particular, you stole them because I don't think we're going to see Hawkinson fall to round nine, especially if Noah Fan is going in round seven, those guys are probably going to go in a similar range and probably a lot of people are going to take Hawkinson first. I would take Hawkinson over Noah Fant. So uh, mm-hmm. I think he stole Hawkinson in round nine. And I think a lot of people are going to take Gusecki a little bit higher as well, just knowing what he showed you at times last year. So I think Chris is right. You don't necessarily need to take those guys too much sooner than that. But once you start to get to that point in your draft where you got your running back and wide receiver depth or your starters full and you're looking for that tight end that you like or the guy that has the next upside, clearly the play caller in Detroit will determine what happens with Hawkinson. Maybe what the health of Cortland Sutton means, or as Chris alluded to, the um, you know growth of Drew Locke. That's going to be a big part of what happens with Noah Fant. But uh, I took one that I'm very excited about, especially where I got him, which is Irv Smith, taking him in round 10. I think there's sure. a lot of upside for him going into 2021. And I also took a second tight end that I like with upside in Cole Komet, especially if Allen Robinson's gone. So yep. uh, not as good as Dave's, but you know, hopefully those guys have some, some but- break. But it's the same philosophy. Right. You're taking tight end dart shots late in the draft, hoping that one of them can be a good starter for your team. And if you get lucky, both of them are good starters. Maybe one of them can be great. And one other point I'd like to add on, if Chris, if you had done this last year, taking tight ends in round one, three tight ends in round one, I would have I would have found you. I would have grabbed you by your shoulders and I would have shaken you saying, what the hell is wrong with you, man? But I've already talked about it. The running back depth is going to be really good this year. Receiver depth is going to be off the charts. Quarterback tight end depth, it's going to be fine. If you really wanted to, this is the season to take one of those stud tight ends with a priority pick in round one or round two. But the thing about that, though, Dave, is the third tight end could have been Zach Ertz, and the second tight end would have been George Kittle, and that wouldn't have exactly worked out great. Now, clearly, we're hoping Kittle's healthy uh, because we know what he's capable of when he's healthy, but... I mean, what Waller could take a step back. It's not a, it wouldn't be a huge shock if that happens, given what he was in 2020. He scored two touch or three touchdowns. He scored nine. If he goes back to three touchdowns, that's not a round one pick. Sure, but he could still catch. He could still catch a ton of balls and get well over a thousand yards oh, he was and excellent. have that advantage. Look, I, I think I, I do think you are putting a lot of expectations on any tight end that you take with a top 15 pick. Except Kelsey has delivered it. Yeah. Kelsey has delivered that, so you can feel really good about Kelsey. Kittle and Waller, and I've got Waller ahead of Kittle. Um, I, I think you're you are kind of putting some lofty expectations on them, hoping that they come through. But I'm just saying, 
if you really like those guys and you wanted to carry that advantage over the, uh, the, 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 well, let's see, nine teams in your league that don't have Kelsey Kittle or Waller, then go for it. This is the year to do it because there's so, there, there's so many good players in fantasy right now. Yeah. Right, for me, it, with you. yeah, it just comes down to, uh, like you said, I think there is better running back depth this year than normal. And, that's another one of those things that we probably try to talk ourselves into every year. But this year, you know, when I look through really down to like 22, 24 in my rankings, it's mostly young guys, mostly guys with three down skills. So it's, it's not necessarily, you know, in years past, it's, it's a lot of like this year, Todd Gurley and Le'Veon Bell. Well, they're going to get the work uh, and that's going to make, no, these are guys who, we actually think have the ability to make plays, the ability to be uh, different makers in the passing game for the most part. And so I think that's what differentiates the running back position this year. And so I'm more willing to take tight end running back, running back. I think that's my ideal strategy and then hammer wide receiver. And it, it just comes down to the edge that those elite tight ends can give you. You know, I am baking in regression for Travis Kelsey. I'm baking in regression for Darren Waller. And I still have Darren Waller as my number three tight end projected to score 36% more points than my number five tight end. And so that the, the gap between those guys is so big. That's what it comes down to. It's not necessarily, I think Darren Waller will outscore other guys in the first round. It's will I not have to worry about tight end? And will he give me the edge uh, that nobody else in that first round range can? And, and that's what. Oh, sorry, Chris. No, go ahead. I thought you were done. Uh, it's not just that. How confident are you in finding talent in round two and beyond yeah. at other positions? And if you are in a, if you're an aggressive fantasy manager who plays the waiver wire, man, of, of course you're, you're going to believe that you can find good players later on. Well, it also yeah. comes down to where you pick. And Chris picked 11, so he knew that there was a chance of getting one of Kittle or Waller unless the manager picking at 12 was going to take both those guys. So he took Ezekiel Elliott first. Let me just read your teams first, and then we'll wrap this up. So Chris uh, took Ezekiel Elliott and George Kittle with his first two picks. His quarterback is Aaron Rodgers. His running backs are Ezekiel Elliott and David Montgomery. His wide receivers are Brandon Cooks, Terry McLaurin, and Cortland Sutton. So you did exactly what you said. You hammered wide receiver, got three good guys there. George Kittle is your tight end. Antonio Brown is your flex. On your bench, your running backs are Marlon Mack, Leonard Fournette, Darrington Evans. So could use an upgrade there potentially as yeah. the season would unfold. And your receivers are Mike Williams, Darnell Mooney, and Cole Beasley. So your receiving core did come together nicely. Maybe depth at running back could be an issue, but uh, clearly good starting options there with Zeke and with David Montgomery. Dave, you started your team with Derrick Henry. You took Aaron Jones in round two. Got Kyler Murray as your quarterback. So Murray's your quarterback. Henry and Jones, your two wide, your two running backs. Your wide receivers are Allen Robinson, T. Higgins, and Will Fuller. So great group there as well. Love it. Yep. TJ Hawkinson is your tight end. Damien Harris is your flex on your bench. You got Daryl Henderson, Joshua Kelly, Rashad Penny, which could be an amazing value. You got him in round 10. Could be the starting running back for Seattle if they move on from Chris Carson. Tony Pollard, your second tight end, Mike Gusecki, and then KJ Hamler. So wide receiver depth could be an issue for you, but obviously some very good running back depth there along with a second tight end who, as we talked about, very good duo of Hawkinson and Gusecki. For me, my quarterback is Joe Burrow. My running backs are Austin Eckler and James Robinson. Those are my first two picks. Then I went wide receiver. Uh, I'm sorry, I took three running backs in my first three picks. I took J.K. Dobbins, so that's my flex. So mm -hmm. Eckler, Robinson, and Dobbins, I love that trio. Then my wide receiver core is Kenny Galladay, Brandon Ayuk, Jerry Judy are my starters as of now, but I also have Robbie Anderson, Jacoby Myers, and Michael Pittman on the bench. I like my receiving core as a whole. My tight ends are Irv Smith and Cole Komet, like I said. And I also have Melvin Gordon and Benny Snell. So I have very good running back depth along with my starters and flex with Eckler, Robinson, Dobbins, Gordon, and then Snell. So we'll see how that group all plays out uh, throughout the course of the season. So again, you can check out the full mock draft on CBSSports.com. I know we went a little bit long here for what uh, Shaggy B was hoping for. So I'm going to wrap this up. So great job, Dave. Great job, Chris. We'll be back later in the week to give you a preview of the divisional round with some DFS plays on FanDuel and DraftKings. We'll get into our happy VR mock draft next week so you can get the results of that draft as well. So thanks everybody for listening. Gotta go back. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. <laughs> 
I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.